You're listening to Fighting Terror, a podcast that explores the approaches to fighting terror and extremism in the U.S., Europe, and worldwide. With Lucinda Creighton, Senior Europe Advisor to the Counter-Extremism Project and former Europe Minister. This podcast is brought to you by the Counter-Extremism Project, a research and advocacy group that combats the activities of terrorists and extremist groups globally. For today's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Jason Brodsky, who is the policy director of United Against Nuclear Iran, or UANI, a US-based organization formed to combat the threats posed by the Islamic Republic of Iran. In today's podcast with Jason, we will respond to the news of a controversial uh, prison swap, uh, which is being proposed by the Belgian government to repatriate an Iranian prisoner to Iran, and also the overarching uh, treaty um, proposal, um, which is effectively a prisoner swap treaty between Belgium and Iran, which is being uh, navigated through the Belgian parliament at present. So, Jason, thanks so much for for joining the podcast today. Um, This is a very timely discussion and uh, I'm looking forward to exploring some of these issues with you. It's great to be with you, Lucinda. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. The the treaty which has been proposed um, between Belgium and Iran was signed in March of this year and it is now being uh, pushed through the uh, Belgian parliament for ratification. It's extremely controversial and obviously has divided opinion uh, in Belgium and elsewhere. Um, So maybe just give us a a quick overview of what the treaty is about and uh, why it's problematic. Uh, Yes, Lucinda, it's very controversial and uh, I'm deeply concerned about it. Uh, It allows for uh, the repatriation of uh, Iranian prisoners uh, serving in uh, Belgium uh, to Tehran to serve out the duration of their sentence there. And it allows uh, the reciprocal repatriation of Belgian prisoners in Iran to serve out uh, their sentences uh, in Belgium. Uh, But uh, there is a provision within the um, treaty that allows for uh, the state to grant Grant amnesty as well. Uh, and so uh, that provides a loophole uh, for uh, a country like Iran, which had, does not have a legal system that is up to Western standards and usually uh, imprisons uh, individuals on sham for sham trials and trumped up charges. Uh, and it creates a moral and a legal equivalence to the Belgian and the Iranian justice systems that just does not exist. So critics of the treaty suggest that it will undermine uh, Belgian law, law enforcement and the overall justice system. And in a sense, makes a mockery, mockery potentially of sentences that have been handed down by uh, the Belgian courts. Do you think that that's the case? Is this loophole something that's very likely to be exploited by the Iranian regime? So uh, I think it's important to distinguish the swap from the the envisioned swap from the treaty itself. Uh, Yes, the treaty has the potential to do so. But if there is a swap that would be envisioned that would uh, exchange a hardened convicted terrorist like Asadullah Asadi for uh, an innocent Belgian uh, aid worker, uh, that would be extremely problematic. It has it sets a precedent and the Iranian system would learn. Uh, a few lessons from this episode that there is a minimal price to pay 
for terrorism in Europe and that it's hostage taking works and it, it reaps dividends. And uh, so this is a very concerning precedent. The plot for which Asadullah Asadi was convicted for was a, it was extremely uh, serious. It would have resulted if successful uh, in the deaths of former U.S. officials, former European officials, a former prime minister of Canada and many others. And it was it's just it was an outrageous uh, Iranian terrorism plot. And uh, I think it really sends a signal to many in the United States who are uh, skeptical that there is the uh, desire and the uh, urgency in Europe to hold Iran accountable for its non-nuclear malign behaviors. It sends a very problematic signal. And I think that the Belgians and uh, the EU generally needs to take this into account as to their overall broader uh, transatlantic posture towards the Islamic Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, do you see it as a kind of a, a fracture between the EU approach and the US approach? I, I know that uh, members of Congress have communicated, I think, with the Belgian parliament about the proposed Assadi swap. Is it something that could become a false line, do you think? Well, I think so. Members of Congress from both parties, Democrats and Republicans, have expressed their concern over this swap. Let's understand that the United States has also swapped prisoners with uh, Iran, uh, but they weren't hardened terrorists uh, like Asadullah Assadi. The United States and the Trump administration swapped uh, uh, hostages for uh, some prisoners in the United States who were serving for much less severe uh, infractions, uh, sanctions of Asian schemes and the like, and they didn't have a lot of them have set, have long uh, sentences left uh, in their um, terms. So I would say that uh, there is a way to do this. The United States has uh, undertaken similar exchanges in the past, but the broader policy issues that this presents are if the United States and European uh, Union want to deter Iran from taking more hostages, exchanging hostages for funds or hostages for hardened terrorists like Asadullah Assadi is not the way to go and build deterrence. And it's just incentivizing Tehran to continue this, the outrageous hostage taking that uh, has uh, European Union and the United States rightfully concerned. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess this is a principled consideration for any any government uh, in engaging with the Iranian state or or any similar entity where uh, hostage taking is 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 a part of their uh, diplomatic effort and you know the risks that 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 are associated with with these types of swaps are, are self evident. One question that I think. Um, has been on the minds of a lot of people who've been, you know, watching the approach of the Belgian government is what's motivating this. I mean, it seems to be, it seems to be great urgency. There seems to be a determination to ratify this treaty uh, before the parliamentary recess uh, at the end of July. Can you explain or do you have any theories as to why the Belgian authorities are, are trying to move forward so quickly with this treaty ratification? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think that I would hope that the primary reason would be because they want to uh, get uh, their uh, citizens out of Iran uh, because uh, many of them are in dire situations over there and uh, they are 
they're incredibly concerned about their welfare. So, and and that is absolutely uh, should be the first priority of any government. But there's a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it with you know without incentivizing the Iranians to continue this awful practice. But uh, on the other hand, I think that there may be um, some pressure by other members of the EU to undertake this kind of uh, treaty uh, to uh, come up with a more global exchange of hostages uh, to resolve this particular issue. Issue so that uh, all that stands in the way of uh, the uh, irritants in the EU-Iranian relationship uh, are the uh, nuclear deal. And uh, I know that there have been reports that the EU is anxious to uh, uh, get uh, Iranian oil uh, on the market as a result of the uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And uh, But Iran is not the solution to their problems. Iran is taking their citizens hostage. It is plotting uh, terrorism uh, in Europe. Europe. Uh, there was a, a recent report about an attempted assassination of uh, Bernard Henri Lévy uh, as well. And uh, this is going to continue on and on. So just like Russia, Iran, there are two sides of the same coin here. And I don't think that uh, flooding the uh, market with Iranian oil, while it might be uh, in the short term uh, satisfying for some in the EU in the long run, it is a very, very dangerous prospect because you're going to be funding the very destabilizing activity that EU says it's so concerned about. And then I would let, lastly add that with the um, a report with the U.S. National Security Advisor revealing that Iran is sending Russia drones to use in Ukraine, this is in the backyard of uh, Europe. And uh, this is uh, a threat to them. And uh, more Iranian oil on the market would help fund Iran's proliferation of uh, drones around the world. And uh, that's a real concern. Mm -hmm. It is somewhat ironic that part of the motivation for this may be a determination to reduce dependency on Russia. Um, when, as you so eloquently point out, they are two sides, the, the one coin, and they are so interdependent. I suppose lastly, um, maybe your final thoughts on the overarching security implications that um, such a formalized process, prisoner swap process, would have for Europe and for the European Union and beyond. I think several members of the Belgian parliament have highlighted their concerns from a national security perspective and the risk of you know, hardened terrorists effectively getting off without sanction uh, upon return to Iran. But what would it mean for the security on European soil, do you think? Would it give a free license to uh, Iranian diplomats to perpetrate future attacks? Yes, I'm deeply concerned about it. I think that uh, Iran already views uh, certain European countries, particularly uh, Austria and Vienna, as permissive environments uh, to uh, use as platforms to plot uh, against uh, a variety of targets, American, European uh, and Israeli as well. Uh, so uh, I think that that would embolden uh, the regime and give them license to continue this practice of embedding diplomats who are also serving as uh, uh, ministers. Ministry of Intelligence and Security uh, operatives on the side, uh, unofficially, to uh, continue these activities. And uh, we, we're, we're already uh, seeing that uh, Iran's, uh, there's been a shakeup in Iran's intelligence community. And uh, the uh, longtime head of the IRGC's intelligence organization, Hossein Tayeb, has departed from his position. And there is some speculation that uh, because of the, com the competition between the Ministry of Intelligence and 
and the IRGC's intelligence organization that the intelligence ministry uh, will uh, gain the upper hand in that competition. And uh, they may seek to compensate in that competition for uh, emboldened plots uh, around the world. And uh, Europe is uh, could be ground zero for that. So th- this does have very severe implications, I'm afraid. And uh, that's why uh, many in the United States are quite worried about it. Mm-hmm. Jason, I know you follow all of these issues in painstaking detail. Um, so thank you for sharing insights and thank you for this brief conversation, which has been really interesting and uh, illuminating. I-, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Lucinda. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion. Please don't forget to like, comment on, and share this episode. You can find out more about Fighting Terror and the Counter-Extremism Project on Twitter using our handle at Fight Extremism and on the homepage of our website.